Wednesday nights, I think in particular, I've been uh, drawn, not not every message, but fairly regularly to have part of our our sermon diet, uh, messages that are directly, directly aimed at helping equip us as we walk through uh, times that we've never seen before in our nation, uh, times that we've never seen before in our earth, and certainly uh, times of intensity, uh, times uh, that can be of great stress. And we just, uh, even if in, in our own personal uh, circle, everything is well and in balance and good, uh, things are shaking in the world all around us. And we know uh, the word uh, equips us the, the Lord doesn't want us to be unwise to the fact that uh, in these last days, it says perilous times will come. And uh, the context there uh, are times that can be hard to deal with and hard to bear. And it's been a road, it's been a long road, and, and we're still walking through uh, these times that are, you know, it, we've been in the last days uh, since Jesus uh, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, uh, and, and how much further along, uh, 2,000 years later, are, are we here in the last days. And so we kind of have to walk this balance of uh, living our life. Uh, as if the return of the Lord uh, is something down the road so that we, uh, you know, give careful count and cost to our lives and that we live with purpose as if we're going to be uh, here for another 50 years. You know, in other words, not just kind of live for today and, and, and uh, you know, not give any uh, count or thought to tomorrow. Yet on the flip side, we also want to live uh, as intention with that. We want to live recognizing the Lord could come back at any time. So we don't want to lose sight of priority. We want to live with intensity. We want to live with our eyes on the right things. And so uh, it, just in the context of all of that, I have a message tonight that, that uh, might sound a little bit on sort of the practical side, maybe just practical everyday living. But I, I think in, in light of this context that I'm, I'm painting here, there are certain things that we as believers um, want to make sure that we, we stay intentional as we cover these areas. You, you know, there's certain things that we want to make sure we keep doing the right thing. And, and the climate, the, 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 the world that we're stewing in, if we're not intentional on uh, 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 several key things that God wants us to handle properly, then uh, we're going to get soured by what's going on in the world around us. Can you say amen? We're going to get um, uh, crusty, <laughs> if I could use that word, uh, bitter, uh, hopeless, in despair, all of these ugly things that, that, the, that are a part of the picture of what these last day shakings would want to paint toward us. But we have to recognize God told us, no, I want you to rise above those things. Uh, church, I am convinced more than ever before that the darker it gets and the more the pressure turns on, the more the Lord wants you to spread your wings and fly and soar above it all and show Jesus to the world around you, right? Weeping and gnashing of teeth and then people will turn and they'll look and they'll see and they'll say, what in the world is going on with you? Why are you not in a heap? Why are you not falling apart? Why are you not in despair, discouraged, down, bitter, ugly, uh, all that stuff? And we can say it's because the living God lives inside my heart. And we just keep walking it out and walking it out and walking it out uh, so we're, we're not um, sticking our head in the sand blindly to what's going on around us. We're just recognizing that God is calling us above it. And so when the squeeze gets harder, know that God wants you to grow. The enemy wants to take you out, but God wants you to grow in the process. So I say all of that in the context, so, so here, let's get into now what we're going to talk about tonight. I want to talk about dealing with criticism. And, and that might kind of sound like, all right, you know, there's, there's some pretty grand scale things going on in the world. Is that, is that like, you know, uh, is that an important topic to be looking at? But I hope I painted a picture to recognize, you know, we've got all this stuff going on out there, but we have to walk step by step through each day and each week, and each month, and each year. 
and again, if we're not intentional to make decisions, you know, so I, I would say that part of this 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 uh, track of preaching, uh, a, a little while back talking about pride and humility, you know, it's going to be very easy as we're, you know, jostled around and squeezed through this time uh, to, to abandon humility, but God wants us to stay in a place of humility, and, and, you know, we just got done talking about vision. We have to be people that live our lives from a place of vision, you know, and, and, and we uh, talked about dealing with change and how important that is during a season like this so that as the world changes around us, it doesn't melt us down, but that we recognize, no, God's with us and he's going to walk us through that. And he wants us better, not bitter. He wants us getting, like I said, above it and not beneath it. And, you know, as we, as we see things get more and more difficult, again, the response that is in the world is more and more toxic of a response. And so I just want to keep having this regular diet of key topics for us to look at and examine and ask ourselves, all right, so, so am I keeping my, my head straight with the Lord? Am I walking rightly through this season so I'm not getting entangled and trapped up by the stuff I see around me? So when we talk here about uh, criticism, I want to talk about it from, from two sides. I want to talk about when we extend criticism to others, and I want to talk about how do we deal with and how do we process criticism uh, as it's given toward us. So would you agree with me? That's kind of just a life skill that's important, right? If we're all going to face criticism at some point, you know, and, and we have to learn how to deal with it in a way that, that is edifying to the Lord and in, in a way where God could use it to be something that would grow us. And when God wants to use us to bring criticism to others, he wants it to be that, that we do it in a way that's edifying and that builds them up and that breathes life into them, not in a way that hacks them, tears them down, and heaps discouragement on them, right? We want to be used of the Lord when it comes time to give constructive criticism. We don't want to be used of the enemy. Come on, can you say amen? So, you know, in a normal season, we're going to face this every day in our lives. Uh, sometimes, uh, actually not sometimes, frequently, uh, I'm criticized on the road. Can anybody else say, I know what you're talking about? You know, uh, just driving down here this evening, I was criticized. I know I was because the giant four by four behind me, when I looked in my mirror, all I saw was his grill. And his criticism was, hey, man, you're going too slow, right? Other times I've had people criticize me, and you know what? It, they've actually blessed me in that because they have told me that I'm number one. They've gestured at me to tell me that I'm number one, and I just am so encouraged that they would take the time while they're driving to let me know that, to just bless me that way, right? But that's certainly one place where we can experience it, uh, and... and Come on, in our households, church, we want our families to be places that are life-giving. We want our families and our homes to be places where we can share hard things, where we could receive from each other. We want it to be in our most up-close relationships where when we share honest truth with each other and, and, and it goes in the arena of being critical, that, that it's, it's something that, that creates a better environment on the other side of it. Here's a truth about criticism, though. The closer the individual is to you, the more the criticism hurts. Would you agree with me on that? That person driving down the road, I, I mean, I've had that happen from time to time where they've let me know I'm, I'm number one. I, I think most of the times, if not all of them, I've actually laughed. You know, I've thought to myself, look at this. You know, that criticism, I, I, I thought about it for about a half a second, chuckled, and went on with my life. Man, I can think of a time in youth ministry. I can think of one time in particular of a student that um, my wife and I had poured a lot into. And I remember at one point, this, this student walked up and said, you know, I've been pretending to be nice to you, but I've hated you for these last several months. And I guess what happened is there was another student that was kind of on the fringe that started getting in this person's ear and just kind of painting like the church is bad and the leaders are bad and the pastors are bad. But I got to tell you, that one, that how many know, whether it's with our kids or people you care about, you give your heart away, right? And so when criticism comes, oh, man, it hurts, right? Uh, so, so we got to realize the closer the individual is to us, the more, the more of an ouch it's going to be. But it's important no matter w what scale or level it is that we're willing to see it correctly. And, and Proverbs 27.6 tells us, wounds from a friend 
can be trusted. But an enemy multiplies kisses. Right, so when it comes to, you know, sometimes criticism feels like a wound, but when it's coming from somebody who loves us, we gotta have to realize, well, we can trust it. We can trust it because they ultimately have our highest good. What is love? Love is, uh, is uh, looking out for the other person's highest good. Sometimes love hurts. Can you say amen? Sometimes looking out for somebody else's highest good is, hey, I have to say the difficult thing to you but the wounds of a friend can be trusted. Here's, here's another truth uh, about criticism here. The reason criticism hurts is because there is often truth in what they're saying, Amen. right? If there's zero truth, it could, you know, kind of roll off our back. Now, why do we criticize? This isn't an exhaustive list, but let, let's get down to it. Well, well sometimes it's jealousy, Right? If, if we're really honest about it, uh, sometimes our criticism comes from jealousy. Maybe it's of their success uh, or even our perception of their success. Uh, maybe something they have, something that they did. You know, a lot of times we look on social media. And how many know we have to be careful when we look on social media? A lot of times people aren't, they're not airing their challenges and their difficulties. Sometimes folks do. But by and large, we're seeing a highlight reel of, of the good times. Right? So uh, we got to be careful that we don't scroll through and we don't look and say, you know, why does everybody else have this amazing life situation that I don't have? You know, that's an example where almost without realizing it, jealousy can be tricky. Sometimes we don't realize we're feeling emotions and we don't realize what's driving it uh, is jealousy. But it can lead to us being critical of someone or something else. You know, a, a sign that we're backslidden from the Lord is when joyous believers get on our nerves. When happy, victorious Christians bug us, you know, where, where, you know, they're like, oh, praise God. And you walk away, you're like, yeah, praise God. <laughs> you know, that's like, that's jealousy and critical spirit coming out of, I got to get my heart in a better place with the Lord. Come on, can you say amen? What are some other places where jealousy comes from? Anger with others or within ourselves. Sometimes criticism comes out of our own anger. Uh, we're mad at someone. And, uh, sometimes it's in an attempt to hurt them. We cut them down with our words. And it's especially easy to be critical when we're having a bad day, right? It's especially easy to do that. <laughs> I've shared this illustration before, but I just love it. Uh, there's a grandfather. How many granddads in the church today? Just give a wave. Right, so granddad fell asleep in his chair uh, and the, you know, kids were feeling, the grandkids were feeling a little bit mischievous. So they, they uh, got into the, the, uh, the, the Limburger cheese that was in the fridge and they just kind of rubbed it on grandpa's beard, you know, and uh, all of a sudden before it, you know, he's kind of doing this, kind of gets this frown, you know, and he, uh, he wakes up and he says, something stinks in here. You know, and he stood to his feet, got out of the chair. He walked into the kitchen. He said, it stinks in here too. And he's still smelling around. And he finally goes and he stands outside and he takes a deep breath. And he says, the whole world stinks. You know, that's a lot of times what, what happens when a critical attitude just oozes out of us. It's, it's us that's not having a good day. It's us that's dealing with anger. And sometimes we have to realize, no, it's me who stinks. You know, and hey, when it seems like everybody is against us, it'd be wise for us to stop and say, let me do some self-examining here. Let me see what's going on on the inside. Some other places where, where uh, uh, criticism can come from, from misunderstandings. Uh, something that's said or done uh, that, that just was misunderstood. Either we did it and didn't mean it that way or they did it or, or a perception of that. Uh, another kind of cute story, a little, little cringy for the lady this happened to. There was a lady who worked in a high-rise office building in London. And every day for her coffee break, she went down to the first floor cafeteria and she purchased a Kit Kat bar. Anybody in the room a Kit Kat bar fans? Yeah, yeah, I, I know, I, I tell you, I, I, I'm all, all for the Kit Kat bar. And she would get it from the vending machine, get a cup of coffee. Well, this day was no different. After finding a small table in the corner and seating herself, she leaned over to look for something in her purse. When she sat up again, a gentleman had seated himself across from her at the table. He had a cup of coffee, a donut, and her Kit Kat bar in his hand. And he put the Kit Kat bar into his mouth. 
He didn't apologize. He didn't give any kind of explanation. He just simply ate it. She was surprised. She was irritated, but she said nothing. Uh, as quickly as possible, she drank her coffee. The more she thought about it, however, the angrier she got. And finally, she stood to leave and uh, kind of stomped over beside him. She grabbed the remainder of his donut and stuffed it in his mouth. And as best as she could, she said, there now, how does that feel? And she marched out back out of her office when she sat down at her desk, opened up her purse, and to her horror realized she had put her Kit Kat bar inside her purse, right? But the first reaction, looking up, seeing him distracted, my Kit Kat bar, what is this guy doing? Come on, how many times has there been something where, where criticism has come or, or offense or whatever it is, and we realize, man, I didn't have the story right, I didn't have my facts, I misunderstood a look, I misunderstood a tone, I misunderstood, you know. So, so these are just some places where, where criticism can come from. Uh, let's talk about what are some negative responses then to criticism. Well, there's denial. When criticism comes our way, we can deny it. We could just say, well, they're wrong and I'm right and, th and that's it. There could be retaliation where we just make the point of, of, of saying I'm going to hold a line and defend my position. Uh, or uh, we could allow ourselves to be hurt or to be bitter uh, where we're wounded by words and actions. And again, that's why I want to say, church, there's so much going on in our world. There's so much strife. There's so much division. There's so much that's wrong out there. You, you know, we have to make sure that we don't become uh, just consumed by a tsunami of either criticism coming our way from, from folks who don't have the same perspective of us or criticism that we want to just haul off and live and stew in this place as we look at everything that's off and wrong. Uh, so we can allow ourselves to be hurt or bitter. Uh, four, we could uh, just decide we'll nurse our wounds, just nurse our wounds and just kind of... Uh, sort of uh, keep our wounds just kind of petting them and, and maintaining them and everything. Remember though, hurt people will hurt people. You know, we all get hurt, we all experience hurts, but you know, a lot of times, you know, if, if we allow hurt to continue, we, we wind up becoming the thing that, that's the complete opposite of what we wanna be. Come on, how many know that's true? Right, and then another another thing that we can do in response, uh, wrong response, negative response is just to, to get into avoidance, to just check out, just to say, well, I don't care. So with, with all of this, as we've kind of been kicking this around now for a few minutes, let's look at three steps to uh, deal with criticism in a healthy way. Three steps to deal with it in a healthy way. So number one is to evaluate. So, so that would be just simply asking, is there any truth in what they're saying? Is there any truth there? I can remember learning this lesson, uh, my pastor up in North Jersey, uh, I was a youth pastor, uh, he would train me up in ministry and there was one day where he called me to sit down in his office and he had received a letter, uh, an anonymous letter from somebody that was just kind of frustrated and just kind of ripping on all the things they weren't happy about at the church. And uh, they, they included me, something with the youth ministry, they included Pastor Fogel, they included worship and a whole bunch of other things. And, and so as I went through, he said, I want you to read this and I want, me to, want, you, want you to tell me what you think. And so, you know, I, I looked at it, I read through, I looked at the things that were said, the majority of them from having inside information, I knew they were wrong. I knew that that was not an accurate picture of what was really going on. And to add it when it was all said and done, it was anonymous. They didn't even have the courage to sign the letter. You know, and he says, so, so what should we do with that? And I said, well, we throw it in the garbage. They didn't sign their name. They don't deserve blah, blah, blah. And by the way, they're wrong. And it was, he was using it as an object lesson. He said, okay, well, time out. He said, first of all, he said, for that person, perception is their reality. It's not the reality, but it's their reality. And so us, we got to walk in love. We got to shepherd. We have to take the high ground, you know, not, not, you know, maybe there's some foolishness in here, but the Bible says, answer a fool according to his folly and you'll be just like him. You know, so, so he was saying, so how can we respond here in a way that's edifying? So, so the whole point here is we can evaluate. Okay, so this person thinks this. Why is it that they think this? 
What is it that they, that they feel like they're seeing, that they feel like happened, that they feel like is, that, that's making them have this kind of response? You know, Acts uh, chapter 6, verse 1. It says, uh, this is the you know, early church is exploding and taking off. And it says, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them, so that was the, the Greek cultured uh, Jews, among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So, you know, you've got, uh, you, you know, the uh, y- y- the... Greek culture that is throughout the empire, throughout the Roman Empire, and there's a lot of uh, Jews that are scattered all around the empire that kind of, they, they call it uh, he- the Hellenists. So they would have this uh, Greek kind of culture, feel, mindset that they would bring, and when they would come to Jerusalem, a lot of times Jerusalem would sort of be like like Florida is for us today. People retire down to Florida. Right, they, they would come into Jerusalem, and so there was the 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 you, you know the Floridians and those that migrate. This is the Hebraic Jews and the Hellenistic Jews, and they're getting together. And now there's a frustration because the the Hebraic Jews are feeling their widows are being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So we, we know that the the apostles' response is not you know. Do you realize the anointing that's on us? Do you realize the miracles that God is doing with us and you're complaining about this stuff here? No, that's not how they respond at all. They evaluated it and they saw that there was a legitimate need and they chose seven men to help serve and distribute the food. So when the the criticism came, the first thought was, okay, what's truth in this? So uh, here's some other ways that we can evaluate. Who is the criticism specifically directed at? You or the situation? Sometimes we can be a minister of grace and a minister of reconciliation if we realize what, what's kind of firing our way really isn't aimed at us, but it's just kind of aimed at a situation that's going on. Sometimes I'll, I'll have people, you know, and I'll say, stop yelling at me. And they'll say, I'm not yelling at you. I'm just really passionate about this. You know, and, and it's like, okay, I needed to clarify that because you don't need to be yelling at me in this situation, right? Um, so many times what we do is we take it personally when something is not meant personally to be thrown our way. Uh, what's the cause or the basis of the criticism? What can I do to avoid it again? Is someone else at fault? Am I being blamed for something I didn't do? Uh, what can I do to bring healing to the situation? Hey, do I need to apologize? You know, even even if it's not something, um, I can't tell you how many times I've found myself saying, even though I know what my intention was and it's not what the other person felt, gee, I'm sorry, uh, I'm sorry I made you feel that way. Why do that? Because it's disarming and it's going to allow them to get out from under the torture of the aggravation, bitterness, frustration that they're feeling. You know, and if I could just simply take that kind of a stance, ah, well, that was not my intention. That was, actually, that's not quite what I did, but I'm sorry that's what you felt I did. And man, the, here's, here's how I feel. And, and it allows us to be an opportunity to, uh, to, to be an instrument of reconciliation. All right, a second healthy response uh, is, is then to respond. And I already kind of leaned into it, but uh, remember, let's always take the high road of love. Come on. Let's always take the high road of love. Let's always, always, always take the high road of love. That's not the easy road. But if we make the choice to take the road of love, then as the darkness gets darker around us in the world, we will shine brighter. Instead of our light dimming and us looking like the world in its brokenness, we will be those of a different spirit because we're walking by God's spirit and taking that high road of love. Proverbs 10, 12, hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. Hey, and how about this one? This is a great bit of advice here. Don't allow your mouth to make it worse. Why aren't you saying anything, Jim? because I don't want my mouth to make it worse. Why are you stepping out of the room right now? I need a time out because I don't want my mouth to make it worse. Can you say amen? So uh, we can diffuse the situation by avoiding arguments. You know, that's that, now I'm not saying avoid 
talking about difficult things. I'm not saying avoid speaking the harder truth. I'm not saying avoid conflict, but we can avoid arguments. You know, uh, my mom's personality is one where, uh, which is very different than mine, she leans into, she, she, she'll be okay with a good argument every now and then just for the sake of having the argument. You know, and uh, it's just not how I'm wired. So I'll, I'll find if 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 that's kind of like if that's kind of like the day that we're stepping into, you know, I, I've I've made the decision uh, not gonna not gonna turn it into an argument. And it's funny because she'll laugh sometimes when she realizes the folly of what's happening. And she said, you know, where's your sense of adventure? Come on, you're not gonna argue with me. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Not I'm just gonna love you. Well, where's the fun in that? You know, and uh, but but it's it's a way of extending grace as well, and, and not adding gas on the fire, right? We always show up, and we got gas in one hand, and we got water in the other hand, and we don't want to throw gas on the fire. So, uh, so Proverbs fifteen one says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. So, you know, it might be good for me at this point just to throw a couple of balancing statements in here as we talk about this, right? Because we are talking about, all right, so dealing with criticism and, you know, we've got it where it can happen in our house. We've got it, you know, in our friendship circles at our church. What happens when, you know, we're we're feeling righteous anger, we're feeling righteous indignation. We want to stand bold for the Lord. I, I, w- I want to make a, a clarifying statement here that we absolutely need to do all of those things. That is a part of being salt and light. That is part of being of a different spirit and a being of no compromise and, 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 uh, and just having strength and courage in the Lord. But church, you know what's going to help us 10 times out of 10? to be able to discern and have wisdom. How do I deal in this particular situation? Am I taking the path of love? Is what am I, I'm doing coming from a place of love or is it coming from a place of my anger, my frustration, my hurt, my brokenheartedness, my pain, my overwhelmedness, my bewilderedness because of what's going on, because of the pressure that's squeezing? Whatever it is, is my response, what place is it coming from? Can you say amen? I, I, I want to make sure. I think if we keep that balancing statement very clear in our view as we talk about all of these different things, because a lot of times I find my way navigating back toward let, let's, let's, let's not be people that represent the flesh as we stand for Christ in these difficult times. You know, and how do we know when we're being bold for the Lord or if we're just standing out in the flesh? Well, that's going to always be the filter that's going to help us decide it. 2 Timothy 2 verses 23 and 24 says, Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. Isn't that another great, great piece of advice that we get from the word of God? When we look at, hey, what, when do I comment? When do I not comment? Well, Are you, number one, where is it coming from? And number two, are you about to engage in a foolish and stupid argument that's going to produce a quarrel or are you going to be salt and light? Sometimes I realize it's a tricky line to tell and might be navigating through and and right inside our our household too. Sometimes, you know, in our homes, you know, it's like, all right, do I want to go down this road? Nah, this is silly. It's just going to make a quarrel. This is just a quarrel waiting to happen. Come on, wave at me if you know what I'm talking about, right? You know, and so we can discern, you know, we can walk through by using these couple of gauges. Um, It says, so, you know, we, uh, verse 23, they produce quarrels. Verse 24, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. See, proper handling of, oh, church, hear me on this one. Proper handling of criticism in and out will protect us from resentment. And when it comes to our long-term relationships, hear me, church, nothing is more lethal to our relationships than resentment. It's the silent killer because resentment just kind of slowly builds and builds and percolates, right? So, so this will help us guard against that. Okay, and then as we're uh, talking here about responding, clarify your actions. Again, many times real misunderstandings are what caused the criticism. Acts 11, verses 2 to 4. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. So starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. You know, so this is during a time where God is showing the Jewish people, the chosen people, 
people that in fact there is this mystery that has been hidden since the beginning. The one new man, the Jew and the Gentile, now one in Christ. Right, and Peter had this picture, this vision. You know, uh, Peter rise and eat when he saw all the different animals, all things that as a good Jew he was not to eat. And he hears the voice say, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, no, no, I, I, I'm a good noodle. I'm not going to do that. And then the response is, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to eat anything unclean. The response is, don't call unclean what I have made clean. And again, this whole picture is of how the Gentiles were going to be grafted into the vine. And so Peter, you know, goes and now he's getting an earful on, hey, you went in and you did what you shouldn't do. So it was a misunderstanding. It was criticism coming out of a misunderstanding. And his response was, well, let me come and set the record straight. And after he did, they were like, praise God. God's doing something new here. All right, we're on. All right, another thing that we can do here in response is give it time and space. You know, if, if it's something that you're dealing with that's creating turmoil, aggravation for you, put it on your spiritual shelf until you calm down. Uh, I, I, that was uh, Abraham Lincoln used to do that, right? He would, whenever somebody uh, really, really upset him, he would write out a response in letter form, and then he would put the letter in his desk. And he wouldn't mail it, he wouldn't deal with it until he could calm down and process his emotions healthily, right? Never make a major decision when you're hurt, angry, lonely, or tired, right? So, so the idea here is give it time and space. Avoid an emotional response. Take a break maybe before responding if necessary. Um, ask God to show you if any part of the criticism is rooted in truth. You know, here's the problem. You know, scripture tells us, right, that the wounds of a friend can be trusted. Sometimes friends don't want to wound us. So sometimes friends won't tell us the thing we need to hear. So, you know, I've learned sometimes when I get criticism and even when I know, I don't do this perfectly, believe me, but it, sometimes when I get criticism and I know it's coming from a place where someone's trying to give a jab, I'll really try to step back from that and say, all right, Lord, what are you trying to tell me in this situation? What is it that you want me to learn? How do you want me to grow out of the other side of this? And, you know, regardless of how ridiculous someone's criticism may be, we can always find something to improve upon, Right? See how we can take something that the enemy wants to use to be such a detriment in our lives and it could be a springboard to growth on so many different levels and it could help us be that salt and light that God has called us to be uh, in these difficult times that we're living in. And then here's another thought, we can always agree to disagree. I'm really big on this as we look at people who have perspectives different than us as Christians different than us in a myriad of ways. We have this line where we have to walk where we are to not compromise the truth. The word tells us we are not to condone what the word calls sin, right? That's first and foremost. But look in every place in the New Testament church where it tells us on how to deal with the unbeliever. And it says, deal with them in love, serve them, in kindness, in mercy, in meekness, in patience, long-suffering, right? These are all characteristics that the world is supposed to see from us as we're interacting with a hostile world. Hey, I'm not saying this is an easy thing to do because we do have to be champions for righteousness and we do have to stand up. We do have to be salt. We do have to have courage, all of these things. I think that in that process, the enemy sees that, and I think he has been doing a lot of hijacking, creating a lot of muddiness and a lot more pain and, and, and junk, a lot more misunderstanding. Hey, ultimately, here's my thought. We win them to Jesus, God's going to straighten out their thinking. We win them to Jesus, God's going to straighten out their philosophy, Right? So, so we, we got to balance those things. And again, I think that's another thing that's got to be kept in a tight tension between two extremes. But how many know you could totally disagree with somebody and still love them? You could totally disagree with somebody and still serve them, still be a friend to them. Come on, can you say amen? God will do extraordinary things in those settings. Because you want to know what most of the world is expecting the people that disagree with them to be nasty at them, 
and to, to, to repel them and to, to repulse them, right? Acts 15, 36 to 41. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia and strengthened the churches. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we, we oh yeah, uh, I just put that in there twice. <laughs> well, I guess it's good to hear it twice, then not at all there, all right. So so anyway, that whole picture there, a sharp disagreement as they're, uh, as they're dealing with this issue. Man, they couldn't find... Two spiritful believers, and they couldn't find common ground on what they wanted to do. So they just made the choice to part ways in that they agreed to disagree. They didn't allow the conflict to stop them from ministering and from going on in God. Uh, so here's another thought here. When we have criticism that comes our way, we can bless the situation. We can bless the situation. And that disarms its ability to hurt us. You know, somebody walks up, you know what? Let me tell you what I don't like about you. You know, you'd be surprised, but as a pastor, that does, that's not like, that's like not a never happened thing. Here's what I don't like about your preaching. Here's the five things, you, you know? And uh, so, so what, what can be really, really helpful in response to what I just heard here or what we just laid out here. Okay, so I evaluate, I respond in the right direction and I say, well, just God bless you. God bless you. In that, and that 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 helps that not be something you, you know that that replays because I, I did share with you pretty transparently in previous um, uh, in a previous message here. Nobody likes criticism coming their way, right? It's not an easy thing to hear. But if we just make a decision, let me just bless it. Just it, I, I'm talking about sort of we just die to self. When we say, well, God bless you, I love you in Jesus' name, pray God's best for you, it doesn't allow the junk to get on in there, right? It doesn't allow bitterness, unforgiveness, any of the other stuff that, that we spoke about. All right, and then our, our last thing, we adjust here. So what are the things that we adjust? Well, we adjust our heart. Luke 4, 18, uh, Jesus said, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. So anytime there's criticism that comes our way, if it's painful, if we're struggling, whatever it is, man, we can give it over to the Lord. He heals the brokenhearted. We can adjust our heart. We can adjust our thinking. Uh, we can think about, all right, what got me into this situation? Is there anything in my thinking? Is there anything in my my paradigm, in my worldview, in, in, in what I do uh, that I could think and do differently? Uh, in, in the future for this to be a better response in my end. Uh, we can adjust our actions, make the necessary corrections. You know, again, the wounds of a friend can be trusted. Somebody comes along and says, hey, when you do this, here's how, here's how it feels for me. You know, then I can respond and say, well, that's not my intention, but you know what, I'll adjust my actions. So I don't respond to you that way. Uh, and, and, and so, you, you know, we're, you're, you're better, I'm better, and praise God. You can adjust your words. Uh, when in doubt, don't let it out. We can't take back the hurt of words. And then we can adjust our habits. You know, and a lot of times what happens under stress, under duress, you know, when the squeeze is on, uh, if we feel attacked, you know, in criticism, we really were responding out of habit. You know, so sometimes, you know, I've had some times where I, I, I would honestly say, I don't know if you've ever done this, where you've had a situation and, and, and you didn't respond the way you wanted to. And it was like a silly thing. And I've had times where I've had that and say, Lord, why did that happen that way? Why did that go down that way? Why did that even happen? You know, and, and I'll realize, you know, the Lord will just kind of speak it to my heart. I, I'm, I, I'm wanting you to change some habits. Your knee-jerk response needs to be different in the future. You know, so in, in this school of life, in this school of growing in Christ, there'll be times where situations happen, you know, where we say, I really wasn't looking for this today. You know, and it's actually an opportunity for the Lord to put his finger on, all right, we'll evaluate and we'll adjust. Teach yourself new habits. Church, we've been in the kettle. We've been the frog in the kettle 
for the last, what is it now, in particular? I mean, we could say last several decades, but in particular, what do we say, in 18 months at this point, we've been the frog in the kettle. What habits have been created in us during this time that are not the habits the Lord wants? Habits moving us away from the Lord. Habits moving us away from you're shining for Christ. Your, your countenance shows your love for the Lord. You know, the way you respond in situations shows me God is alive and living in your heart. See, this season has been one, this frog in the kettle as the heat gets turned on and on and on. The frog doesn't realize it's cooking to death. And yet the word is filled. You know, there's another spot so troubling where Jesus says, when the son of man returns, will he find faith in the earth? So many folks have dealt with crisis of faith because it has been wallop after wallop after wallop after wallop. Yet, if we live out of the foundation under our feet of the word of God, God said in these last days, wallop after wallop after wallop will come. That we shouldn't be put on tilt by that or we shouldn't be shaken in our faith, right? So as we, as we look at this season that we've been in, may the Lord stir our hearts that our response, that our inside habits are, are those that are growing us in Christ. Fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, self-control, gentleness, kindness. I don't know how many that is. I might've missed one, all right? But all, all, all these, all, all the, this, is, this is what when we sque- we're squeezed, the Lord would want to have come out from the inside of us. So hear this as an exhortation for us to climb with the Lord. Don't hear this as a, 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 anything, trying to heap anything like a, you know, condemnation. <laughs> Don't hear this as criticism, <laughs> as I preach a sermon on criticism, right? Hear this as um, a pastor's heart, so desiring to see us live as healthy people in Christ, knowing that God's good promise to us is that ultimately it doesn't matter how dark it gets. It doesn't matter how turbulent it gets. Cynthia was talking about, right, the, the, uh, Paul singing, right, singing there and, you know, in, in such a dank, dark place. You know, if, if, if God, you know, in these last days, there is a generation that is going to have to walk through some pretty pressing, squeezing stuff. Kind of looking like we've been given that privilege and that honor. You know, there's people all around the world that have been suffering persecution and persecution always has been. But hey, in these last days, you know, there's a lot of things that just point toward, wow, this is a interesting time, interesting season that we have stepped into. And yet in it, the Lord wants it to be that we be like Stephen. You know, Stephen, they're throwing stones at him. They're, I mean, you talk about criticism, criticism that cost him his life, you know, and he's just shining, glowing. He literally sees the Lord standing to his feet in heaven right before he's martyred. So the good news is no matter how difficult out there gets, the Lord wants you and I to just keep thriving with him. So when we talk about adjusting our habits let, let me just, as we close, let, let's make some application now as we close. So have you, how have you been in this frog in the kettle scenario? What is the fruit of the spirit looking life, like in your life right now? Uh, how is it seeing through a lens of faith, through, seeing through a lens of encouragement, seeing through a lens of hope? And then if you'd say, well, it's not really, uh, it's not really any of those things or I need some work, then we can look at it really from two ways. What needs to come in habit-wise and what needs to come out habit-wise, right? Heavier times might mean heavier devotions, heavier prayer time, heavier worship, heavier church attendance, heavier plugging into life groups, getting into Bible school, heavier serving. You, you know, what does that look like? I, here's the things I have to add in so I can stay in a place where, man, I'm keeping God's perspective through all this stuff. Uh, and then what needs to come out? 
you know, uh, I tell you, there's only so much news I can take. Oh, dear God. There's only so much social media I can take, dear God. You know, I got to keep all that stuff limited so that I can keep God's perspective as I navigate and as I work through. You know, and we're all wired differently. We all have different thresholds of different things. But, but as, as we would look at what do we take away out of this message today, there's so much hope and there's so much good news that God has for us that we can be filled with joy. The believers who have been filled with happiness in the times that shake us are going to become unhappy because happiness is based on our circumstances. But believers who are filled with joy, as long as they stay hooked in with the Lord, they'll not lose their joy because joy comes from being in his presence. In his presence, there is fullness of joy, right? So boy, have we had it good in America, right? We've had it so good. We've been spoiled in this land. I think one of the drawbacks of that, if, if you could call it that, is uh, a body of Christ that is built on happiness, not on joy. But if we call it, if we see it for what it is, we become people of his presence, nothing, nothing can shake us. Nothing can take us out, right? I mean, just ultimately whatever it is. And then, and then as we look at the hurt and the shaking around us, then we're, we're salve, you know, salve, salve, how do you say, right? Ointment, there it is, <laughs> for people where there's wounds around us. And we're, we're all going to get hurt. We're all going to get bruised. We're all going to feel it during the season. But we can continue to be that for each other, right? Shoulder to shoulder, arm in arm. Just making that decision. And, and then uh, when we have, actually, uh, I had some, some thoughts in my notes here, but as far as extending criticism to others, maybe just let me, let me add that in as one last thought. You know, some people think criticism is their spiritual gift. You know, and they say, it's just my gift. It's just how I am. Get over it. You know, and I'd say, well, you know, let's go back to what's the goal? The goal isn't to slay them. The goal is to be redemptive and to love them and have their highest good in, in mind. So, you know, oftentimes we have to look at the golden rule. How would I want to be spoken to? You know, how would I want it presented? You know, and, and looking at sharing things. You know, we can say some really, really, really difficult things in a way that doesn't have to be um, fleshly and, uh, and toxic, right? Now, granted, the other person has to have the capacity to receive. That's what we're talking about here today. Go back and say, what's true? You know, and I know we're all wired differently. Again, part of what makes me uh, pastoral and strong in that zone, I'm a little more wired that way. What I got to be careful of, I lean into that. Maybe, maybe I'm a little slower to give you that wound. You know, then there's others that are wired differently. In the church world, we say that's a little more prophetic, a little more black and white. Let me just, here's how it is. Let Jesus fix you, but here's how it is. Boom, you know. So um, again, that's a strength, and we need, we desperately need that. Uh, but just like every strength can be a weakness, right? The grace mercy is a strength that can be a weakness. Uh, that black and white, I'm going to hit you between the eyes. That's a strength that can be a weakness. So when we look at how do I share, part of what we can do is how does the other person receive? You know, share criticism on how they receive. Hey, here's another thought: timing. A lot of times we want to share right in the moment. Maybe that's not the best time. You know, it's like, hey, I'd like to, you know, let's sit down later. I want to talk about some things. You know, maybe at uh, finding the right time to do it. You know, uh, come on, can you say amen? So, so I hope that this, uh, hope this landed. I hope this was seen as valuable. I really, you know, uh, again, I've, I'm getting this picture. It is so, so burning in my heart how much the Lord wants his church to shine in this hour. This has the opportunity to be the finest hour of God's church. But it's going to mean that the majority of our attention is on him, not on everything that's happening. Right? I'm not saying we ignore that, and I'm not saying we're not 
in it, dealing, courageously speaking, being. But what I'm saying is if it doesn't come out of first and foremost, us with him, then, then we're going to be very, very vulnerable to getting off on that and then being that frog in the kettle. Because, I mean, it just keeps coming down the road. The garbage just keeps coming down the road and coming down the road and coming down the road. So we just got to make the decision, Lord, what do you say about it? And he says, I'm lifting you above it so that you can soar with me and the world will see that and the world will want to know him. Amen. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Father, as we wrap this service up this evening, we love you so much. God, you are everything. Jesus, we say that you are Lord over every part of our lives. We do thank you for the privilege that we have to be alive in this season. Lord, for such a time as this, you have us here on the earth to be your people, to show you to the world, to be ambassadors for Christ, to be instruments of reconciliation. And so, Lord, here tonight as we've looked at this area of criticism and dealing with criticism. Lord, we know we could look at any, any bunch of another, uh, any bunch of other areas where we need to respond in you and to see through your eyes. God, we ask tonight that you would fill us up. Holy Spirit, first and foremost, let's do this. God, we repent for every place we take responsibility and we repent for every place where we have responded in the flesh. Lord, we take responsibility for every place where we have reacted in the flesh, in our lives, to those up close, to those that we hardly know and for every place in between. Lord, where our motives have been anger, where our motives have been to tear down. Lord, where we have forgotten that the enemy is spiritual, not physical. God, we repent of all that in the name of Jesus. Forgive us, wipe that clean out of our lives. And we say, precious Holy Spirit, fill us. Renew us here today. Create a clean heart. Renew a right spirit wherever it's needed. Lord, where we have been overwhelmed, we, we make a choice to fix our eyes back on you, that we won't be overwhelmed by this world around us that's, that's acting more and more crazy. And, and Lord, where we have been the frog in the kettle, we ask for you lead us to, to lead us. We ask for you to guide us on what needs to be more of in our lives. And Lord, what needs to be less of in our lives. So I thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, where, where there has been wounds, Lord, it's heavy, it's ugly, it's awful. Our hearts are broken. We see the desperation in our world. We see in the natural, the places where the enemy has been prevailing in, in, in these areas, all these areas in the natural. Lord, heal our hearts. Help us see it through eyes on you, through faith, hope, and love. And Lord, in our homes, let our homes be places where your glory dwells. Let our homes be places where, where we most die to self, where we most take up our cross and follow Jesus. So come in power now where it's needed, in this room, watching online. Lord, wherever it's needed, come in power, work in our hearts, work in our lives, work in our families, work in our relationships. God, take our lens on what we see. Lord, where our emotions have just gotten unruly, Lord, heal, deliver, work afresh in your people. Thank you, God. It's our destiny. It's our destiny to be a bride without spot or wrinkle. So God, we just commit ourselves into your hands. We, we give all this that we prayed about here into your hands. As we go from this place tonight, Holy Spirit, just be at work in us. Be at work in us. Do lasting things, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.